Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. All right, everybody's awake. You're here on a holiday weekend. Thank you so much for being here on a holiday weekend. I am Justin Allison. I'm the small groups pastor here. And uh, a lot of times people get me and Austin, our outreach pastor, confused because we kind of have similar coloring. I mean, let's face it, if you change out a J and an A, we have like the same name, Austin, Justin. Uh, We both have sons that are eight to start with the letter J. Jacob is mine and Judah is his. I mean, there's a lot of things that we have in common. We both like soccer. When we were in Haiti, people like actually thought we were brothers. It was kind of ridiculous to the point that he and I had this uh, discussion one day that we needed to come up with a way for people to tell us apart. And so we decided we'd play paper, rock, scissors for certain things. And, and he won. And so he got the beard. And so he does a great job of growing a beard. And I was left with the receding hairline. And so <laughs> that's how you can tell Austin and I apart. Um, well, maybe you've been in a, in a grocery store. This seems to happen a lot at Walmart, but you go, you're, you're at a store somewhere, there's a lot of people on an aisle, and you're, uh, you're walking around, you're shopping, and you hear that little kid, you kind of see him turn, mom, 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 you know, and it gets louder and it builds that, that fever pitch, and you just kind of, you kind of look at him and you're like, oh man, I've been there. Hey son, uh, it'll be okay. See, you got, somebody got that. My son has actually done that and not even recognized that I was right there. He's looking for mom instead of me, right? And in that moment, you know, kids feel abandoned and they, they see like, there's, there's no mom right here. What am I going to do? I, I, they're afraid. They're alone. They feel abandoned. And some of us feel that way this morning. Some of us feel exactly that way this morning. And John chapter 14 that we're going to read in just a moment, speaks directly to that situation in people's lives. Uh, John chapter 14 is where we're going to, where we're going to read from. And this, this text comes after Jesus has predicted his betrayal to the disciples. And then he predicted Peter's denial. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before I die. Uh, before he said, you're... In fact, before the rooster crows today, you're, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter, of course, says that'll never happen. We learn otherwise. And so the disciples are in this point where they've heard Jesus talk about going away. They've heard him talk about leaving, dying. And they're not really sure where he's going with all this. They're feeling a little abandoned. We're going to see from Thomas's response in just a moment. They're feeling a little bit alone and a little unsettled. And that is the situation some of us find ourselves in today. And so that's kind of how we approach this text. One of the things that we're going to see is that Jesus knows the way to heaven, even though his disciples do not. And so they have to come to him for the answer of how they get to the Father, how they get to heaven. You and I are in the same situation. We have to come to Jesus to find out how to get to the Father, how to get to heaven. And so with those things in mind, let's stand and let's read from John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. We'll read through the end of verse 6. It says this, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where I'm going. And then Thomas, no, Lord. No, we don't, Lord, said Thomas. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? So Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You can be seated. And so... Within this section of Scripture, John 14 through uh, 1 through really about 27, Jesus is giving comfort to the disciples. Uh, It's one of his farewell dialogues. And so the particular story we're looking at, this, this piece right here, Jesus kind of lands on that phrase, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm going to be real creative this morning. Those are going to be our three main points. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? So when we think about, read about Jesus is the way, we need to remember that Jesus is not the way in the sense of, you know, type it into your phone on Google Maps or something, hit directions, and that'll tell you how to get to Jesus. He's not a location on a map, right? Jesus is the way is really more of a commitment to follow Jesus in spirit. And so when we flip over to John 12, 26, it says this, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me. So when we come to Jesus, if Jesus is the way, that means we must follow him in the way that we serve Jesus, in the way that we serve God. Uh, one of the stories immediately before this uh, one in John 14 is in John 13. Um, Jesus washes the disciples' feet there at the beginning of John 13. And so we learn from a story like that, we learn that Jesus came to, to serve, excuse me, Jesus came to serve humanity. He came to serve other people. And so you and I need to live our lives in a way that serves others. We're supposed to serve God and we're supposed to serve others. And so the way that we lead people in our life is gonna look different from just barking orders. It's gonna be serving other people, doing what's best for other people. We're gonna live our lives as if other people matter more than us. We're gonna love others more than we love ourselves. And so that's what it means to follow Jesus in spirit. The other thing about Jesus as the way, Jesus is the way, um, is Jesus is the way, right? It's not Jesus is a way. He, he claims to be the way. And the last clause in that verse actually says that no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is making a very exclusive claim there. Uh, that he is the way to get to the Father. And so in this very real sense, Jesus is more than just an inspiration for living. It's not like you can just kind of tell your kids, you need to be more like Jesus. That's how you live. You know, be more like Jesus. You know, Make good decisions, boy. Be more like Jesus. Yes, it's not that, right? Jesus came. He died on the cross, was buried. Was, he rose to life again and defeated sin and death on the cross. And so Jesus is the way shows us that, that we need to put our faith into him. We need to believe in him. We need to follow him, do what he says in, in that way. It's not just a backdrop against which we compare ourselves. And if we look pretty good, then ah, we're on the way. No, it's, it's doing certain things. It's trusting him 
It's trusting the work that he did in certain ways. And so there's another really central uh, idea in this, uh, this phrase, in this verse. Uh, when Jesus is telling them he's the way, he's, he's been in dialogue, you might say argument, with the Pharisees all throughout the Gospel of John. And in these dialogues, he gets into it with, uh, with, the, with these Pharisees about what you can or can't do on the Sabbath. Um, he heals the guy and he tells him to carry his mat. He says, pick up your mat and go. The guy's carrying his mat and they say, oh, 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 can't do that on the Sabbath. I mean, that's, that's breaking a rule there. Not going to get to heaven if you break the rules. The thing is, if Jesus is the way, then the way to heaven is more than just checking off lists of things, in a, checking off boxes on a list to try to get into heaven. It's, mo- it's not following rules. It's not about religious performance. It's not about, did you get all the words right in the prayer? It's about that relationship with Jesus, who is the way. He has provided the way, and he has shown us the way to live. And in Ephesians um, 2.8, we read from Paul, one of the apostles later on, he didn't get to know Jesus personally while Jesus was alive. He, he came to know Jesus later on, um, on a journey. And so Paul actually writes that it's by faith we are saved through faith, not because of anything we've done. And so faith in Jesus sets us on the way to God. And so that's what it means for us to be on the way. If Jesus is the way, we need to put our faith in him. We need to trust that he alone can make us right with God and can take us into eternity, into that good life. The next thing that uh, we need to take away from that is that it has a real application for you and I right now today. You see, first of all, we don't have to be perfect. And the secret is none of us are anyway, are we? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. The Bible tells us in Romans that none of us are without sin. Every one of us has sinned. And so none of us are perfect. And the point is, that's not how you get to heaven anyway. You get to heaven, you experience the life God has for you by trusting in Jesus, by putting your faith in him and living according to his words. Now, the flip side of that is that if Jesus is the only way we've talked about and the way that you get to heaven is by putting your faith in him, then you and I should be driven to share that good news with other people. You and I should want to share that with others because if they don't hear that news and they don't make that decision, then they're in a bad place. And we need to make sure that we share the good news of Jesus with them so that they have the chance to go to heaven. Because if not, they're without heaven. They're in the place that we call hell. And so we want to share that good news with them. It should motivate us to share Jesus with others. And here's the thing. On Saturday, this Saturday, July 9th, we will be going to the Peach Festival. You can meet up here at 10 o'clock and join us as we go to the Peach Festival. We're going to share with people... um, the way we open these conversations with Jesus, uh, about Jesus with people, is we're going to share with them something. Uh, a lot of times it's uh, lollipops. Sometimes it's water. It might be other things. We're going to share God's kindness with them. And we're going to say, hey, we just want you to know God loves you. We want to show you that in a practical way. And then when they take that, we're going to see if we can engage them in a gospel conversation. We may not, but the goal is that we can share that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life with them in that conversation. So you have an opportunity to do that on Saturday at 10 o'clock right here in the foyer. Just a little ad for you right there, okay? Uh, So Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth is our second point. Jesus is the truth. 
And when we talk about Jesus being the truth, uh, it's different from, well, I'll just let you know, in the late 90s when I was in high school, okay? It's different than those billboards that used to say, Jesus is the answer. So does that mean two plus two is Jesus? When I was in youth ministry, man, one of the, one of the easiest things to do was whenever people whenever you would get, you would ask questions of, of, you know, teenagers in Sunday school and they would just go, Jesus. And like 90% of the time they would be right. So they would just check out and just be like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. What do the disciples eat in the wilderness? Jesus. No, you know, in fact, I, I've actually had seminary students when uh, on a test, like for example, it might be a fill in the blank and it says uh, something like, who was Israel's king after David circa uh, 950 BC? Who was, who was that king? Oh, Jesus. And I take out the red pen, not even close, you know? <laughs> and so that's not what we're talking about. When we say Jesus is the truth, we mean that what Jesus teaches about God is true, okay? That's the first part. What Jesus teaches us about God is true. When he taught us um, that he fulfilled prophecy, when he taught us um, how to love our neighbors ourselves, when he went through um, teaching the people we can trust what Jesus said. We can trust the words that Jesus said. We can also uh, trust him because what he said he would do, be killed on a cross, come back after three days, he did. So we can trust Jesus. He's truthful in what he says about God, about himself, and about you and I. Jesus can tell you and I exactly what's going on in our life, what our biggest barrier to following God is in our life. And let me illustrate that by the story of the rich young ruler. In the scriptures, when Jesus uh, is, is talking to the rich young ruler, uh, the guy's asking him how to get to heaven. Jesus is like, hey, you know, do, follow God's law. Do what God says. And he's like, yeah, okay, I do that. And he's like, hmm, okay. Sell everything you have and give it away and then follow me. Because the real issue with this guy wasn't that he, he didn't like Jesus, that he, that he didn't like God's word. It was that he, he cared more about his stuff than he did about following God. And so Jesus can correctly tell us he's accurate, he's truthful in what he teaches us about ourselves. And so we need to remember that Jesus is truthful in what he teaches about God himself and about us. And then we can also pick up on this theme in John 14. John is really good about using some of the Old Testament scripture um, and kind of um, alluding to Old Testament scriptures to make a point in the story that he's telling at the moment. And so in John 14, uh, what we just read, I think he's got in mind some Psalms actually. And so if we flip over to Psalm chapter 43, verse three, um, that's the first one we want to read. We, we actually see in Psalm 43 and in Psalm 57, these are both Psalms that are written by someone who is feeling hopeless, abandoned, afraid. That same thing we're talking about today. They're in that place. And what they ask for is this. Psalm 43, 3. Send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. So the psalmist is asking for God to send truth to bring them to where God is. See some connections there with John 14. Then we're going to flip over to Psalm 57, verse 3. Psalm 57, verse 3 says, 
He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. And that word that they translate there, faithfulness, in this translation is, is the Hebrew word emet, which can mean truth. And so um, the same thing is being asked for here in Psalm 57. And so John has picked up that the psalmist, there's this, already this theme in the Bible that whenever we are in a situation of feeling abandoned or helpless or afraid or, or hopeless, that what we need is truth. And Jesus has shown us that right there in John 14. I am the way, I am the truth. And so when we remember that Jesus is the truth, it can help us, it can apply to our life in a couple of different ways. If we're feeling depressed or beat down, we don't need to listen to the outside forces or even the things within us when we're feeling depressed and beat down. If that's you today, don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Listen to what scripture says about who you are. Um, when scripture talks about who we are in Christ, it says we are children of God in John 1.12. 12. Um, it says that we are no longer slaves to sin in Romans 6, 6. And then in 1 Peter 2, 9, we see a really, really amazing picture of who we are in Christ. It says this, but you are not like that. You're, you're not those who stumble about because you don't obey God's word. Instead, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You see, you and I have a special value to God. So no matter how depressed or beat down or alone you're feeling today, let scripture tell you the truth about who you are in Christ. Then on the flip side of that, if you think you're, you know, you're pretty special, you're living a good life, you're, you're doing great, maybe you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the best at this, you know? I mean, if people would just listen to me on this one thing, then man, they'd, they'd be in such a better place. I was 17 once too. Okay, we, we've all been there. We all thought we, we especially as men, we have, used to have this time where we thought we knew everything and we, we knew everything, you could tell everybody off and we were the one that was right. And the Bible puts it this way in Proverbs 16, eight, it says pride comes before the fall. And so if you and I just get in this situation where we think we are the best, we, uh, we are something special, well, we need to listen to scripture too and that pride comes before the fall and that it, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. In fact, Jesus actually said that in John's gospel that he only does what he sees the father doing. Uh, he only says what he hears the father say. And so we need to model that in our life as well. And the, another way that this applies to us is that if Jesus is the truth, that means that he keeps his word, okay? And that's huge for us because Earlier in John 14, he said he goes to prepare a place for us with many rooms. There's, there's plenty of room for us there. If we can trust Jesus about what he said, then we have a trust about heaven. Heaven is a real place. It's, we're really going to get to go there when Jesus returns. He's really coming back, and heaven is really waiting for believers. And so Jesus is the truth. And the other thing that we want to talk about here is that Jesus is the life. The life of God is found in Jesus. Remember, Jesus was, was out in the wilderness. He, he provided for people. He took care of them. He showed us what it meant to live a life devoted to God. God in flesh came into the world and showed us a model of how to live. Jesus is the life. 
Wow, that happened last service too. I hope everything's okay. Um, I'll let someone tell me if it's not. So John chapter 10, verse 10, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. It's different than the one I memorized, so I'm going to read it here. It hits on this idea of Jesus being the life. John 10, 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them, the sheep, uh, his followers, give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations will say life to the fullest or an abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. And uh, spoiler alert here, um, doesn't mean you're going to have a yacht, like a giant yacht and a big house on the beach and stuff like that. But it does mean that you're going to live a satisfying life here on earth. Doesn't mean you'll be without trials or troubles. My house got hit by lightning one time. I mean, bad stuff can happen to you even if you're a believer. But the point is that in Jesus, we are given a, a way to live life where we experience life to the fullest. If we follow God, he never promises we're going to be without suffering. In fact, he tells us we're going to have trouble in this world. But he does tell us that it is the best way to live. Here and now in this world, if we follow God's laws, if we follow the teachings of Jesus, that will help us to live the best life we can here. We'll experience God's blessings this side of heaven. And there's Another side of that, which is after this life, we experience blessing as well. And that's in John eleven twenty five. 25. John eleven twenty five. 25, he's talking to um, Martha about her brother Lazarus who has died. And in verse 25, Jesus told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She says, yes. And then he goes on and, and raises Lazarus from the dead. He comes out of the, the grave and everyone's amazed because Jesus has this power to do this. Jesus is the life. And that takes shape both in the, the here and now, the world that we live in. Jesus is the life. He's the way that we live. And he's also giving us hope of a life eternal in the future, okay? Jesus is the life. And so we've talked about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And how does Jesus being the life apply to our lives? Well, if you have ever been anxious, that's me, by the way. I've been anxious before. If you've ever been anxious about anything, God will provide for your needs. If you flip over a few chapters here in this book of John, you see that Jesus provided food for 5,000 people. Now, it wasn't like these people, you know, were destitute and poor and had absolutely nothing. This is, they're out one day, he's teaching them, and they're hungry. Now, to be perfectly honest, if they went like a little bit without food, I mean, come on, what's the big deal? But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus provides for their needs. He cares about his people and he provides for their needs. And so he takes two, he takes a fish and he takes loaves and he feeds all 5,000 people because he's Jesus and not me or you. He, he can do miraculous things. That's part of him being the life. He has the life of God in him. And so Jesus can provide for your needs. If you're anxious, if you're worried about something, take comfort in the knowledge that Jesus will meet your needs just as he met the needs of those 5,000 or more people. So, if you're here today and you're lonely, you're feeling alone um, without others, you're in the right place because church is a place, our church, 
the church of God is a place where we strive to connect other people with God. That's, that's purpose one, purpose one A or two, however you want to say that, is that we connect people with each other, mostly for the purpose of helping each other stay focused on following Jesus. And so if you're here today and you're lonely, you're in the right place. This is where you need to be to make connections with other people. The most important thing is that you would connect with God. And the next most important thing is that you would connect with other people here who will love you in a godly way. Maybe you're here today and you're like, well, that's not me. I mean, life's pretty good for me. I'm doing, I'm doing just fine, thank you. Uh, in fact, I, man, I really have a really good life. Well, that's awesome. The Bible tells us that we are to thank God for his blessings. Uh, James 1.17 tells us this. It says, uh, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights of heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Everything that is good comes from God. And so for you and I, when times are going good and we're experiencing that life that Jesus promised, and we should experience that life that Jesus promised, and sometimes that's going to bring us blessings. And when we're in those moments, we need to give thanks to God express our thankfulness to him as an act of worship and, and thank him for the blessings that he's given us. That's part of living that life in Christ. If you notice, Jesus actually gives thanks before he does a few of the miracles in the book of John. And so giving thanks is a part of the life of a believer, okay? So <clears throat> I have one last little thing that's uh, not in the scripture there, it's, uh, it's related to Jesus is the truth. Because you see, when we talk about Jesus being the way, we understand, okay, that's a little controversial. There's a little conflict there because, you know, other people want to say there's other ways to heaven. I get that. It's a little controversial. And then Jesus being the, the life, that can be a little controversial too. Well, not as much, you know, but we talk about Jesus as the, the way to live and that kind of thing. Sometimes I, I, people pretty accepting of that. But one area people tend to get hung up on is when you talk about Jesus is the truth. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, when we say that Jesus is the truth, we're actually taking a little bit of a stand, I would say a lot of a stand, against a lot of the assumptions that go on in our culture. And if you're a philosophical person, you can talk about the line from you know, Descartes to Foucault and, and through uh, Rousseau and all these other philosophers. And I would actually really love to talk to you about that if that's your thing, but most of us, that's not, right? And so where this conflicts regular life with us is going to be slogans that you might see on a t-shirt like, live your truth, right? When we see a slogan like that, I mean, that's kind of appealing. Live your truth. Oh yeah, that's great. Live your truth, man. But the problem is, if Jesus is the truth, Jesus makes a claim to define who we are and what is good. And that comes into conflict with this idea of, of live your truth. And in a few very specific ways. Um, believe it or not, if you try to find out what the phrase live your truth means, you find like 7 million answers on Google, okay? Because nobody can really define what it means because it's by nature supposed to kind of mean whatever you want it to mean. Uh, but a few of the common things were, uh, we're going to talk about, one of them being living according to your values, which I mean, we can kind of get on board with, right? I mean, you, can, you live according to your values. Everybody should really live according to your values. The, the difference, the caveat I would make is that you don't define what is valuable. I would say if Jesus is the truth, Jesus defines what is valuable. 
what is the correct value. Um, so we need to look to God's word to provide our values. And so when we, when we say Jesus is the truth, it's going to come into conflict with the culture we live in in that way. Uh, one other common thing is people will say, your sense of power and your self-worth, that should come from within. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. You know, self-motivation. We, we like to get ourselves amped up about something before a big game or big athletic thing or, you know, we're going to win or, you know, whatever it is. We want to be inspiring. Um, and so that kind of sounds good. But the problem is if our power and our self-worth comes from within, then that means we don't need anything else. And if Jesus is the truth, then Jesus came to, we talked about this, reveal truth about who we are, about who he is, where those areas don't connect and how we need to change. And if our power and our worth comes from within, then we miss out on what God has in store for us. And so we need to live as if Jesus is the truth and let him define those things for us. Now, another common thing is that uh, people will say that your, your feelings, your intuitions should be valued right alongside analytical thinking. And there's a part of that that's true also, right? I mean, I have this nice little black spot on my finger. Um, I hit myself with a hammer. I felt a lot of things when I hit myself with that hammer, right? It was, uh, it was very real feelings at that point. Um, and so feelings are real. Uh, I mean, they, they are. They, they are one way that our body tells us something. But the difference between living according to the feelings, pain was radiating all through my hand, um, is, you know, that could have caused me to do or say or act in lots of different ways. But if we choose to let Jesus be the truth and define things for us, then our feelings and our intuitions don't get to guide us. We, we make decisions based on what the word of God says. So for example, when scripture says that uh, the heart is deceitful, um, that our emotions can trick us, those kinds of things, they, they can lie to us. We need to take that at face value and understand that, you know, sometimes we're not going to feel happy all the time. We're supposed to strive to be joyful in all situations, but that doesn't mean we feel just happy all the time. I guarantee you when my house got hit by lightning and had fire coming out of the top of it, not just like, yes, this is great, man. Things are wonderful. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty traumatic event. And so we're going to go through some trials, but we need to let God's word define who we are and what's going on in our life. We need to remember that our feelings, our intuitions um, are there, but they need to be checked by God's word. And we need to bring all of those things under the umbrella of uh, the revelation of God in the Bible. Bring, let scripture be our guide here in those things. And so if we are really going to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that means that we're going to live our lives radically different from a lot of people in the 21st century here in America. And I think that's okay in fact, I would say that if you're here today and you are one of those people that we've talked about, you're, you're feeling alone, you're feeling a little anxious, maybe abandoned a little bit, afraid, the way forward is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's hope for you in that because in Jesus, you can live a full and meaningful life here and have a hope of life ever after. So how do you do that? How do you get to Jesus? Well, 
here at, uh, at Greenwood, we like to express this in a few simple ways. And so I'm going to ask you to close your, your eyes, bow your head. And uh, if you would like to begin following Jesus today, you've never done that before, I'm going to ask that you would uh, just listen to a few things that I'm going to say here. The first thing that you need to do is you need to admit to God that you're a sinner. You need to believe in Jesus and you need to confess him as your Lord. So we admit that we are a sinner. Romans 3.23 tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one, none of us is perfect, not me, not you. And then we need to believe in Jesus, that he is who he said he was according to the scriptures, that he died, that he he, he uh, first of all, was born to the Virgin Mary, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross and three days later rose again. We need to believe those things about him so that we believe and trust him that his death on a cross forgives our sin. And then we need to confess him before others. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us this. If we believe in our heart that uh, if we confess Jesus with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And so that is what you need to do today. If you're feeling hopeless and alone or afraid, and you want to start that path towards following Jesus in your life. And so if that's you today, if you want to do that, I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing. And that's just talk to God about that. You can pray these words uh, that I'm going to say right now along with me, or you can talk to him in your heart, however it is you want to do that. You just say something like this, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up, but I trust Jesus as my savior. I know that he is perfect, that his death on the cross overcame death. And I want to follow him the rest of my life and make him the Lord and savior of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. And so if that's you, if you prayed that today with every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to just look up at me. If I don't see you, just raise your hand. And so if you made that decision for the first time today to follow Jesus, just let me know by looking up at me. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right. Well, you need to tell somebody. And so uh, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes. You can, you can look up now. And if you uh, see this number on the screen, this QR code, you can text, I did it to that number. Let us know that you made a decision today. Um, if you would like to talk about church membership or baptism, just let us know by texting one of those words to that number as well. And I also want to close with this. If you're, if you're here today and um, you're thinking, you know, there are some areas of my life where, where I, I haven't let Jesus' truth reign in my life. I want, I want you to think about a few areas. I think about those places right now. Let the word of God penetrate your heart so that you can know where it is that you need to make changes. If God's word really does um, convict us and transform us and transform us and glorify us to a new life in him, then we need to do that. So think about what that is and try to make those changes this week. So now we're going to close in prayer, and then we have some announcements. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for the blessing that you've given us of your word. Thank you for this morning where we can come together. Uh, we can gather and worship you, read your scripture. Father, we ask that um, the truth of Jesus would convict us, would cut our hearts, um, 
so that we might know how to glorify you best in the life that we live. Uh, Lord, I, I pray for those who have made decisions today that they would share that with others. Um, Lord, we just ask that you would be with us in the coming week and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.